Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read this. I love stories. Stories are awesome. Verse 1 says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even, the outs- not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Somebody say, tear the roof. Somebody say, tear the roof. Somebody say, tear it up. Then it says, in the roof above Jesus, by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. Listen, really quick. Look right here. Your heart has thoughts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I say, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Father, be with us here this morning. Let us step out and tear it up. Lord, have your way, Lord God. This is your city, your kingdom, your people. He that has an ear, let him hear. Let faith arise and let our enemies be scattered. Lord, let your spirit be the dominant. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him, step out and tear it up. Then you may be seated. Also, I'm real excited for any, any of you sports guys. We're going to be having some softball. I'm real excited about that as well. I like to play sports, so if anybody likes to play sports, you can see uh, any of these guys after the, the clapping drummer. Amen. You can see him. He, uh, he loves to play sports as well, so we're going to be playing tomorrow, so I'm real excited about that. Step out. Tear it up. Step out. Here we see some men, four guys that did some radical thinking. They had some radical thoughts with some radical actions. I mean, just to think, who walks into a place where the house is full of seemingly strangers, there's no room, decides to go to the top of the roof and tear it apart? I mean, did they even know whose house it was? I mean, think about this. This was a radical action that they did. They went to somebody's house and just tore the roof off. Now, if that were to happen in today's day and age, let's be honest. We're like, we have signs on the front of our house, intruders will be shot. Right? We do like, oh, don't don't beware of the dog. Beware of the owner. Right? You know, just... We don't like nobody invading our privacy. Here comes four guys taking their friend, 
who was paralyzed and tore a stranger's house apart. Who does that? Radical, on fire, purposeful, mission minded men do that. Listen, I believe that this ministry, that we are here because of we had radical men and women that went before us and did some radical things. They went to cities and tore the roof off. They went to places and tore the roof off. They went to communities and tore the roof off. They didn't care about the money they didn't have, the resources that weren't coming their way. They didn't care about nothing. They just said, I'm here. I, need, I have a mission. I, I got to tell somebody. I got to let somebody know that Jesus loves them. And I got to let them know that they can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Get in here and let's tear the roof off this place. That's all they did. Radical. Somebody say radical. Listen, I think, I believe that it's going to take radical thinking to flip this city upside down. It's not going to take the normal golf clap. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Bringing in the sheaves. What are sheaves, by the way? I'm just kidding. I know what they are. But, you know, it's, a, it's an old hymnal. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we will come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. Does anybody know that song? Please tell me I'm not alone. You guys know that song? Okay, praise the Lord. Oh, like, man, I hope you guys know that stuff. I went to a Christian school. I used to read all the hymnals that they had. We had chapel every day, so I used to read the things. I paid no attention. I used to, you know, I, I don't know if any of you guys did that. I used to read all the hymnals, read all the songs. Look, I want you to know something. It's not just going to take people and say, man, that's a good idea to save people. Somebody should do that. Man, that, that drama stuff, that's good. Somebody should go save those crazy off the hook, off the wall people on those streets. They need Jesus. It's actually going to take some people that are actually off the wall like them, get out there, step out there, tear the roof out there, and put them down and get them next to Jesus. It's going to take some radical people. We need radical. This city needs radical people. We don't need golf clapping Christians. Most of you, you don't even know how to play golf. So if you don't know how to play golf, don't clap like it. Look, I'm telling you, when Christ saved me, I remember, I'll never forget this. I was out with Chucky. We were in Indonesia one day, and we were, you know, without going to a long story, just know that I used to be really crazy, okay? I used to just do things, and I'm talking saved, Christian, like, hallelujah, I love Jesus, but I'm still down to, like, do crazy. I think Manuel and Yolanda know that. I used to do some things. They were my youth leaders, and I'd do things, and they would look at me like, hey, this PK, man, it's PK. You know, I, I, was, just, I was down like that. You know, they said, hey, we need to put this up. You know, we got this poster. Let's get up there. So I used to climb all the way up there and, you know, grabbing these banners, 150 feet in the air. You know, let's do it. And, and I go, you guys dare me to jump? Well, I'm not jumping. You know, it's just... Just crazy things. They go, I bet you won't get in there. I'm like, all right, give me some flyers. What I do, I go in there, I get up in the club, grab the microphone. I want you to know Jesus loves you, and you guys are, you guys are all drunk. In the name of Jesus, you're going to be sober right now. Amen, you know. And the thing, I'll still do that stuff. I'll still do it. It's just, I've always been crazy and radical. And I remember I was in Indonesia with Chucky, and he told me, he goes, man, thank God you're saved. 
I go, what do you mean? He goes, dude, what we just did, because we just did some crazy radical, you have to remember, Indonesia, it's a Muslim country. You can't do, like, over here, we can go outside and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no, not over in Indonesia. They go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, like, it's the truth. It's the truth. They'll kill you. And so we were doing some things out there, and he was telling me, he goes, thank you. He goes, and this is what he told me. He goes, you would have been a crazy drug addict. I go, what do you mean? He goes, dude, if you're doing this sober, oh, my gosh. So I thank God that I got said I didn't have to experience any of that. So when I, have, when I speak to you, which I would be speaking about right now, I speak to you with conviction, knowing that, hey, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Listen, you don't have to just say, well, I just come to church. I punch in my time. I do my celestial call. I, I just do a little bit here. I punch it in. Ooh, the church is over, and then I'm done being a Christian. No, you can be a radical, on-fire Christian every day of the week. You don't have to be an on-fire Christian when you just come to church and sit down and give people high fives say oh praise the lord no you could do that outside even at your job all you got to do is step out and tear it up tell your neighbor step out and tear it up see now what's important for us to look at here within this portion of scripture with these men i see them doing something that no one else was willing to do they wanted to stay on the cutting edge i don't know about you but i hate dull christianity i hate dull christianity like if you wanted to come to a dull church leave now i'm just kidding no don't leave don't leave just wait in an hour you're, you know you can leave after the party amen you can leave over there but we we talk about i mean who in the world does that we talk about partying we talk about going clubbing to a drama amen praise the lord and the drama if you were here a couple weeks ago, we kept telling people, go to the club, go to the club. Club 3-6. Amen. Who, like, who does that? We're, we're not boring. I hate boring. I mean, just, just for a quick second, I'm going to get you into my mind. I know. Be careful. When I get to heaven and I hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, I am not picturing me going through the, you know, the, the, the metal bars, like you go into a baseball game, and you walk through, and you're like, whew, all right, I made it. Now I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to watch everybody else play. I picture those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You may now enter to the kingdom of heaven. This is what I picture. Come on, somebody, celebrate good time. Come on, don't show, get off me. I know how to dance now. I got a new body. What, what, oh, get it, get it, get it. I don't do that for like, I would do like the Roger Rabbit for like 150 years. Oh, oh, like I'm going to do, do the running man. I'm going to do it all. Uh, like I got it all planned out, all my dances. I'm going to do this for 150 years. I'm going to do the sprinkler for like another 150 years. Dances I never even grew up on, the, you know, the funky chicken. I'm going to be like that for another 150 years. For those of you a little bit older generation, I'm going to twist for like another 150 years. Like I got it all planned out. Now, for those of you who think, oh, Pastor, he's just being funny, I really do think that's how I think. I like to, I like to move. I like, like I'll, when my kid starts dancing, he's watching a commercial, he starts dancing, I go, ooh, dance, dance. Come on, dance again, dance again. 
I don't know what it is. I just like, there's something about, now I don't have time to get into it, but the word dance translated in the Greek means leap for joy. And joy, the Bible says, is joy is unspeakable. So when you see people dancing, they're dancing for joy. And the reason why they have joy is because they experience sorrow. You cannot have a true joy without a true sorrow experience. So when all of a sudden you see people dancing and moving, you're like, man, look how crazy they are. You should have seen what they went through to get what they've got. There's a true joy that comes up inside of them. So you may not understand their dance. That's fine. That's okay. But Steve loves to dance, and so do I. See, I, I love it when I see Steve dance up here, right? He'd be up here dancing. Now, for those of you who may not know, he has a cane. He has a little bit of a handicap. Just, uh, I wish I could say handicap, but according to him, he ain't got none, to be honest. <laughs> to be very honest. He's up here dancing, and he's sweating. I want to shout a little louder than... And I know some of you guys are looking at him like, oh, my gosh. Why does he have to scream so loud? He's spinning wilder than he was before. Oh, my gosh. You know why? I like to be around people like that because they don't like dull Christianity. Look at I didn't say perfect Christianity. See, man, far too many people strive for perfect Christianity. Oh, you got to dress like this, look like this, talk like this, lift your hands like this, do like this. No, I'm not talking about robot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that just say, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what people are saying about me. I know who lives inside of me. And because of that, there's a radical spirit that makes me do what I feel I'm called to do. If you believe that, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, and many times we lose this sensitivity to the things of God because we move away from God. We move away from, I believe that God has called us to build a monumental church. I shared that before, right? If you were here a couple weeks ago, if not, go on our podcast, you can listen to it. Monumental church, part one and two, is really good stuff. I believe that God has called us to have a monumental church, not a mega church. Not really into the whole mega man stuff. No, no. I believe a monumental church that when people see victory outreach, they go, man, that church loves God. Man, that's a place where I can go and change my life. Man, that's a place where I'm not perfect, but neither are they. They accept me just the way that I am. Whew, that's where I want to go. Even those that have even left the church, listen to me. I've shared this to the leaders. I say it over and over and over and over again to all the leaders. And I'll say it again to the church. Listen, if we have people that have left the church and come back, praise the Lord. You're not God. However, you should act like Jesus and accept them back. Just let them come. Let them be a part. You weren't perfect yourself. I ain't perfect. The pastor's not perfect. So I know that, listen, when you come in and we build this monumental church, but it's going to take some men and women that are going to be radical and tear open roofs. There's a few characteristics, really quick, three characteristics that I want to give you that I believe that we see within the story that I believe is going to help us continue on and launch out here into our father's business here within Hayward. There's three characteristics that I see within these men. Number one, conviction. Number two, compassion. And number three, sacrifice. Now, within this story, we see, I mean, as I began to really look into the story, I began to see like, okay, one of them had to initiate 
seeing their friend paralyzed and then do something about it. He had, now remember, this is not a parable. This is a story. This happened. So here's these men. They see their friend and something must be done. Somebody say something must be done. Now, they heard that Jesus was in Capernaum. As the, when you say the scriptures, even here within this verse, the Bible says that Capernaum was his home. He did a lot of miracles there. So maybe what could have happened when they heard, oh, Jesus, he's coming home. Oh, let's get there. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know, I'm just, you know, kind of coming up here. Maybe one of them got touched by Jesus earlier. And he said, if Christ touched me, I know he could touch him. Could have been. No, we don't read that whole much, uh, uh, all that much about these four men. It doesn't have a whole life story about them. But if you can kind of read into it, nobody just says, well, there's a guy, he's healing people. Yeah, whatever. Who, oh, all right, fine. There had to have been an experience by one of these four men. Had to have. There had to have been something that dropped inside of their spirit that says, hey, Jesus is coming home. He performs miracles. Let's go get our friend and let's bring him to this healer. There was a conviction deep inside one, two, if not all four of these men. One of them had an experience, but all of them had a conviction. Somebody say conviction. Now, conviction comes by the Holy Spirit. Conviction comes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and begins to show you something that you necessarily don't want to see. You, you know what's, uh, what's heavy is, as I was studying, not in this message, I studied this about 10, 11 years ago, and I, I keep studying it every now and then. You know, it's off my notes, but you know that in the book of Revelation, it talks about the Holy Spirit's going to leave this earth. See, right now, real in a nutshell, right now, when you do something wrong, you have a little conviction like, oh, shouldn't have did that. Even sinners have it. Everybody has it. It's there. You know, we, we try to call it, you know, the moral, immoral, try to come up with something. Really, it's just the Holy Spirit. He's working. He's alive. He's a person, by the way. It's not just a person. And he moves. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the Holy Spirit is going to leave this earth. See, some of you think that, okay, before Jesus comes back, I'm going to accept him. See, right now you have the Holy Spirit. You have the ability and the conscience to understand, I need a Savior. When the Holy Spirit leaves, that leaves too. So a lot of people think, all right, I'm st I still have a chance. But when the, see, the same way the Holy Spirit came, same way the Holy Spirit going to leave going to take off. Now, that's a, another message for another time. But the Holy Spirit brings that conviction within you. And see, and when you draw closer to God, there's a conviction that says, wait a second, I, I, I don't like the way that I look. I don't like the, remember for those of you when you first got saved, you first got saved and you're like, you had the joy of the Lord on the inside, but then all of a sudden you look at yourself and go, oh man, wait, What's wrong? Oh, why, why am I smoking? Why am I drinking? Why am I doing this? Why do I have all this? See, this is the thing. When you come to church, we're not here to be the, the spiritual heavenly police. We're not here to tell you, do this, don't do that. You should look like this, don't look like that. No, there's a conviction that comes upon you that you just feel it. Because I know, let's, I remember when I first got saved, I played a lot of sports. And when you play a lot of sports, there's a lot of parties. And for those of you, probably even worse than me, but we used to cuss a lot. We'd cuss a whole lot. We'd be like, hey, get the ball. You know, boop. You know we, had, we had nicknames for each other that were cuss words, but they sounded cool. Right? Now, I don't know if any of you guys did it, but that's how we were when I played sports. We had cuss word nicknames. 
Who does that? Perverted minds do that. That's what happens. And when I got saved, all of a sudden, I, went, no, I didn't stop playing baseball. I still kept playing baseball. And the words were still there. But then all of a sudden, we go, hey, what's that? Whoa. Oh. Sounded different. Didn't have the same feel to it. It just wasn't that. Why? Because there was a conviction. It wasn't that all of a sudden cussing made me holier or unholier. It just said, wait a second. I, I didn't, didn't feel right. The smoking, the drinking. Listen to me. If, for those of you that you still have the drinking and that's kind of a part of who you are. You're talking, well, I know the church. They say you don't drink. Listen, you will never hear me tell you you shouldn't drink. What I will tell you is you need to get closer to God. And the closer you get to God, the further you'll want to get away from the bottle. That's it. That's all I can say. And, and then plus the other thing too is this. I mean, I'm no doctor. But from what I've seen, firsthand experience, drinking messes up your liver. <gasps> That's just the truth. I, I, I mean, and I know the firsthand experience. My father was a heroin addict. My father was an alcoholic. He used to have it every day of his life. He needed to have it. Now, he was clean for 30 years, but the effects of what he did caught up to him. That's just the way that it is. So I'm not here to tell you the drinking is going to send you to hell. I'm not here to give you heaven or hell on drinking. What I'm here to tell you is that I would love for you to be healthy. It would be good for you to stop drinking. It would be good for you. The, the smoking, it just, I mean, they, like they say, it, smoking doesn't send you to hell, but it sure makes you smell like it. <laughs> right? So, uh, so I'm not here to say if, you, if you're smoking, you're not a Christian. No. You can smoke and do whatever you want. But I will tell you this. Conviction comes as you get closer to God. See, the further you get away from God, the more everything else still looks good. I'm okay with drinking. And then what happens is two hours of church cannot calculate and equal the 40, 50 hours of going out to the club and drinking. Why? Because you're making, you're making church your God, and you only have God for two hours. So there's not enough time to get that conviction. See, when you have that conviction, it's, even when you're away from church, you still have a conviction inside of you. Even when you're gone and you're further away from this, death, from this place here, you still have that conviction about you. Look at your neighbor and say, conviction. See, conviction only comes through intimacy. Cal Thomas said this, it is now possible to live in, this is a heavy statement, I need you to listen to this one. It is now possible to live a Christian life without doing the things that Jesus commanded us to do. We have hired people to go into all the world, to visit the prison, to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to care for the widows and the orphan. The average Christian doesn't have to do anything. Wow. When I read that statement, I said, oh, my gosh, we have lost our convictions. That's what the church was called to do. As you read history, the biggest buildings in any town was a church. Read it. Study it for yourself. The biggest buildings were churches. Now you know what they are? Banks. Flipped upside down. Guess what the World Trade Center was? A bank. Money. It's the bank. Those are the biggest buildings. I mean, now if anybody builds a big, big church, they go, oh, what are you doing? Don't build a big church. That's not how it was. See how we turned everything around? Because 
America and even us, we've lost our conviction. There's been a conviction lost. Listen, I want to challenge you here this morning. Conviction comes through intimacy. When you get intimate with God, you're probably saying, well, how do I get that conviction? You know how you get it? Right here. This is how you get your conviction. When you get on your knees and say, God, I want to get closer to you. Friday night, we had all-night prayer. Some of you have been wondering, well, how do I get that closeness with God? You got to get that all-night conviction prayer where you say, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to hear from you. I want to know that it's you. And you're not going to leave this position until this position changes. It's conviction. Many of us, even within the church house, we've lost a conviction. And that's why, listen, we've lost that conviction, which in turn has made us lose the heart of God, and that's why we don't want to work for God. See, so when we talk about working for the Lord, come on, let's go hit the streets. Hey, let's go, let's go pray for people. Come on, let's go feed the people. We think, uh, we'll let the 1-800 commercials do that. Uh, let the Salvation Army do that. Uh, or let the goody-goody people of church do that rather than us. No, we're called to do that. God has called us to look like him. God has called us to be the light in the darkness. Can I hear an amen? See, and then conviction moves to compassion. That's what happened with these men. They had a conviction. They said, man, something must be done. Listen, you want to know many times, listen to me, leaders, you want to know many times within your leadership while you're wondering, man, how come not, something's not being done? Because you have to have that conviction. Do you have that conviction? Don't wait for so-and-so to do it. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Conviction says, I must do something. Can you imagine? Look, when my father came here back in 1981, they visited in 1980, and they saw this place called Dakota. That's what they saw when you hear the testimony of my father. He came to Hayward, but he saw this place called Dakota. It was filled with drug addicts. And you know what he saw? Instead of going to a big city, he could have went to Oakland. Matter of fact, they were going to go to Miami, Florida. Thank God they didn't go because Miami loses everything. Boom. That's cold, huh? That's cold. That's cold. But I don't care. Spurs, baby, Spurs. I'm a Spurs fan, by the way, for those of you who are wondering. Why do you say that? LeBron, give me a break. He ain't no king. My parents were going to go to Miami. But you know what happened? He came here, went to Hayward, went, drove up and down A Street, all of a sudden went to Dakota, and there was a bunch of these drug addicts and gangsters, tons of them. Some of them even called the Aguilars. You know it was coming. You know it was coming. Pastor Manuel's from Dakota. Sister Yolanda's from A Street. How does that even work? God had a purpose and a call. That's why. But see, when my, my parents came here, all of a sudden they saw something. They said, hey, somebody's got to do something. You know why many times you come into the church and everybody has an idea, Right? Oh, man, we, we shouldn't have a, somebody should do something for the single moms. Yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, we should do something. What about for the dads, for the single dads? We have a lot of single dads. Don't forget about the dads. You know, Matt, we, I love to fish. We should do a fishing group. Yeah, let's do a fishing group, right? Everybody has an idea, but who has the conviction to actually do it? There's a difference. Conviction carries out the idea. See, conviction saw this man and these four men said, hey, what do you think? Should we do something? Hey, our friend's paralyzed. What do you want to do? Well, let's just not leave him here. 
Let's go do something. So what do they do? You grab that side, you grab that side, you grab that side, I'll grab this side, and let's pick them up and let's move it. See, they didn't have pity. They had compassion. Jesus went around the towns and villages, moved with pity, compassion. In other words, he did something about it. Compassion makes you do something about it. Listen to me here. If we are ever going to see a revival in this city, then we must do something about it. We can't just watch the news. We can't just see Channel 2 and say, man, another child abducted. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. When I see those things, and they say, man, a child got abducted, another girl got raped, another baby got killed, I go, man, something must be done, and that something is me. I'm that one. I don't want to just have conviction in church. I want to have conviction on the streets. I want to have conviction at my job. I want to have conviction with my family. Yesterday, I was able to visit with a good friend of mine. And he was, uh, you know, he actually used to attend this church years ago. I don't know if Kathy's here. Kathy, are you here? Raise your hand if you're here. No, she's not here. Well, a good friend of mine, it was his birthday, actually today. They celebrated it yesterday. And he, we grew up together. A lot of people know him. Uh, he made a name for himself here in, in Hayward. He did a lot of dirt. I don't know him as Sharky. Everybody calls him Sharky. He's like, okay. And apparently he did some crazy stuff that I heard about. Well, I've always known him as Robert. So yesterday I went to go visit him for his birthday. Drunk out of his mind. This is just what he wants to do, get drunk. And as I was talking to him, I said, hey, Robert, man, how you doing? We were talking. And he was asking me questions and then walking away. And then coming back and then walking away. The normal thing. I'm standing there with my daughter. And then all of a sudden he comes up. He stands there. And I see him. He's not moving now. I said, oh, all right. Now I can talk to him. So I started talking to him. He goes, yeah. And then he asked me a question about the church. I said, oh, this in the church. And I gave him an idea. I told him about shotgun. Uh, not kidding. This is what he tells me. I told him about shotgun. And I go, I gave him an idea that I wanted to do. Let's just say, I'm just, remember, into my mind. What if we made $20 million off a of shotgun? Wouldn't that be awesome? See, some of you are thinking right away, how can I get money? No, 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 Watch. Watch this. Said, what if we made $10 million? I would like to redo Sunset, the whole block. I'd like to redo it all, change it. And, you know, the fields. Right now, the fields are jacked. Fields are messed up. And they had the football fields that everybody, Castro Valley High, Hayward High, they all, a lot of people, they meet there. They do football, the track and field. And it's a cool place to go. But then at night, I live right here. It's dark. It is dark at sunset. And there are things that go down at sunset. Some of you used to make them go down at sunset. Ironic that it would be called sunset. Well, prayerfully, we turn around, call it sunrise. I'd like to redo the field, get the lights done, redo the whole school, right? And I'm telling Robert this idea. And I go, yeah. And then he goes, well, what about your church? I go, well, I don't know. We'll find a church. We'll get a place. You know, I believe God's going to provide for us. And then this is what he tells me. He goes, why don't you just build your church on sunset? Dad and made you a pastor. Come on now. That's why I look. I go, dude. This is what I told him. I go, you know what, dude? You're thinking like a pastor. He goes, shut up. Yeah. I, and then from there on, I just started talking. I said, hey, Rob, God loves you, man. God's got a call for you. I said, you know what? You need to put down that bottle because God needs you healthy. I need you healthy. You're my future evangelist, bro. 
I go, you're going to be evangelized. You're a leader. And I started just drilling them, drilling them, drilling them. I was giving it to them. I was, like there was no tomorrow. Come on, Robert. Yeah. God's called you. And he lived. And I could see it in his face. He's like, man, shut up, dude. Shut up, dude. Shut up, man. Shut up. You know. And then I, just, I was just letting him know because there was a conviction inside of him. He said, man, Rob, God calls you, man. If I can get, like, you know we, why we call him Sharky? Because he's a big fish. He's a big fish. If we get this guy saved, oh, my gosh. You know, and the reason why I say I know it's possible, because we have a big fish here. Brother Eric, I don't know where Eric's at. I know he's around here somewhere. Eric was a big fish. Eric Casaneda. Oh, man, I, at least he used to be a real big fish. <laughs> now he's just, he's a fish. Amen. Slim down, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But man, when Eric got saved, then all of a sudden, he just started witnessing to everything that moves, man. Everything's, oh God, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Because he used to do the opposite. Anything that moves, he'd be, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. Get away. He pushed everybody away. But all of a sudden now, God just turned, because now there's conviction and a compassion. Compassion moves you to do something. You just don't watch it happen. You make it happen. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. We cannot just sit around and watch it happen. If there is a revival that's going to take place in our city, we should be a part of it. God has called us to be a part of the revival. Listen to me. We're not the ones to, to uh, start the revival, but we are going to be the ones that continue the revival going. If God calls us to start it, then, hey, let's start it. But I want to tell you right now, it's going to take some radical people. They're going to say, get that side, get that side, get that side. I'll get this side. And let's pick them up and let's move them over and let's get them close to Jesus. See, some of you, it's going to take time. You've got to step out. Tell your neighbor, step out. The third thing and the last thing that they did is they sacrificed. We're coming to a close right here. First, they had conviction, compassion, and then you know what they were willing to do? They were willing to sacrifice their reputation. Think about it. Who goes into somebody's house and tears it open? Just rips it open. Because if it was my house, let's just be very honest. Right away, I'm thinking these guys are nuts. Take him to John George. Right? Let's just be honest. Let's think in the normal sense, in the natural sense. See, right now, okay, bring it down. Think normally. If somebody tore a roof in your house, how would you feel? Upset, right? Right away, you pin these guys. These guys are robbers. These guys are thieves. They're trying to break in. Right away, you have all this stuff in your mind because it's natural. But these four men said, if we're going to flip the world upside down, I can't think naturally. i got to think supernaturally. I can't think the same old way. They were willing to sacrifice their reputation. They were willing to sacrifice what people thought of them. They were willing to sacrifice how people viewed them. Listen to me. Listen to me. Victor, this is why I'm coming to a close. As she comes to the keyboard. Look, I understand how people have viewed Victory Outreach Hayward in the past. And they've looked, and, and you know, even at times, I was witnessing to somebody even the other day, and they go, oh, yeah, aren't you guys that ex-Cholo church? And I looked at him, I go, do I look like a Cholo to you? And he's like, nah. I go, okay, well, then, no. I go, we're just a church that loves God. Do we have Cholos, ex-Cholos? Of course. But we've also got ex-Marilyn Manson over here, Charles Manson over here. <laughs> Marilyn the singer. You can't sing, can you? Okay, all right. Ex-Charles Manson's over here. We got a little bit of extra everything. 
up in here. So I know that people have a certain reputation that they see, oh, they're gangsters. Look at this. Raise your hand if you were never involved in gangs whatsoever. Raise your hand. Raise it real high. Keep it high. Now look around. Okay, put it down. That's more than half the church. That's more than half the church. So I say that because, look, I know people may view, oh, the gang members go there. It's actually, we're just acceptable to gang members and drug addicts and homosexuals and crazy, crazy people that you would want to send to John George. I'm serious. John Hodges. John Hodges. I'm going to have him come share his testimony one of these days. He, he goes to Victory Outreach Sacramento right now. He was in the loony bin. He was in John George. They put him there because he flipped out of his mind. Now, if you heard his testimony, powerful. Crying just thinking about it. He saw his dad shot in his arms. His dad died in his arms. Not just that, he had other stuff, just crazy, crazy stuff. And if you saw certain things, you'd flip out too. Flip, I mean, just flipped out. John was all messed up. Nobody wanted him. Nobody. Not even his family. Didn't want him. Only people that accepted him, John George. That was it. Until one day he got out, he got witnessed to. And I believe actually Brother Eric was a part of that. Brought him in and said, hey, everyone else thinks you're crazy. Don't worry about it. So was I. Come on. John Hodges had nothing to do with gangs, nothing to do with drugs. None. Powerful testimony. The life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If we're going to reach this city, it's going to take those of us to sacrifice what you think people think of you. How people view you. Some of you, you got to get over yourself by getting under yourself. Listen to me. Are you hearing me? You have to have the ability to come under. Come under. And say, look, I... Some of you, you're waiting to, to look good. I got to have the good house. I got to have the right house. I got to have the right marriage. I got to have the right this, the right that. Then I'm going to show how awesome God is. No, show how God, awesome God is now. Sacrifice your reputation. You know why people avoid sacrifice? Because sacrifice has to do with death. It has to do with death. And when it comes to killing things, nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody wants to deal with death. Ah, life, life more abundantly. And yet here the same man that said life more abundantly also said, present yourself a living sacrifice. Some of you got to die to yourself. Die to the how awesome you think you are, how cool you think you are, how powerful think you, you, you are. I got it all together. Listen, my friend, it's not about having it all together. Let God put you together. Look, I, I understand that many of us, we have different things that we think about how God is going to align this and put this together. Look, if we would be a church that is willing to sacrifice who we think we are, I, I'm, I know we don't have our own building, not yet. I know that. I understand that. 
And if I'm very transparent, when I came up here with me and my wife, I had no idea what we were going to do, to be very honest. I had no idea what we were going to do. I didn't know if Art and Maricela were going to accept us. I didn't know if Greg was going to even be here. I had no idea. I heard that Eric was coming to church at that time. He was here and back. And me and Eric, we grew up in the ministry together. I didn't know what uh, Pastor Daryl, he was still off in the Philippines, what he was going to think. I didn't know if Gilbert and Denise, Denise being a strong figure here within our church for a number of years, one of the first ones to get sent out within our ministry has been involved in so much stuff, even more than even before I got saved. Sister Denise has been involved with so many things. We've had so many people here within the church. I didn't know what was going to come or what was going to happen. I had no idea. All I knew was God said, okay, you take you and your wife and your family just go. Where am I going to live? I don't know. I'm going to be very honest. No, no, please don't clap. I'm going to be very honest. When we got here, we didn't even know where we were going to live. Not until like the week before that we had planned. Because we were like looking for houses, looking for houses, looking for houses. And nothing happened. Matter of fact, we had the house. And we're like, yay. And then they saw our income and they go, oh, no. That's really what happened. Oh, no, you guys don't make enough because everybody wants to do that. You got to make double or triple. And I'm like, oh, but I was like, I, I barely make what I barely make, you know. And then even coming from the training center, I didn't really get anything. I was like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? But all I knew is I got with my wife, we prayed, said, no, God called us. We have to do this. We're going to leave anything else behind that we need to, sacrifice what we think of ourselves. And let's do this. It's a difficult thing to sacrifice sometimes because we have a certain pedestal that we even put ourselves on. We put ourselves on. Oh, no, it has to be like this. I want this. I do this. Look, when you sacrifice who you are, you're able to get closer to who you want to be. I want to be Christ-like. I don't want to be Stevon-like. I don't want to be Victory Outreach-like. I want to be Christ-like. And whatever I got to do to say, hey, there's a paralyzed guy. He needs help. The room is filled. Nobody wants to let us in. I told people, excuse me, excuse me, I got a handicap. Still nobody wanted to let us in. Well, something's got to be done. I'm just going to go up there, get up on this roof, tear it open. I don't know what's going to happen, but I got to get this guy closer to God. That's all I know. And to be honest, even still to this day, that's all I know. All I know is Christian got to get closer to God. All right, leave the home open. Let's get the home. We got to keep it open. Man, I can't. I'm still praying even now. I want to get a women's home. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. Some of you women here, you're my future women's home director. It's you. Because you're you're the one that keeps saying, man, we should have a women's home. We should have a women's home. We should have a women's home. All right. Stop saying it. Start doing it. Conviction. Closer to God. Compassion. Something must be done. Sacrifice. I'm going to do it. It's time to step out and tear the roof off. We're going to tear the roof off of Hayward, California by the radical men and women that are sitting here in this church. Come on, stand with me here this morning. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Lift your hands with me here this morning. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Jesus, thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. We adore you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. For those of you that say, you know what, I need to get a deeper conviction with God. I, I, I need to be moved with compassion. Listen, some of you, you've been looking at yourself and you haven't really self-examined yourself like you know that you should be. Listen, some of you here this morning, this is that time where you got to self-examine. The Bible says to examine yourself. Look at yourself and say, man, I know that you've called me to do something. I know that it's just more than going to a nine to five and making money and putting something in my pocket. I know that it's more than that. Listen, I know that you're not perfect. I know that you don't have the perfect house, the perfect marriage, the perfect car, the perfect family. I know that's not the perfection, but listen to me. God will finish his perfect work in you if you will just persevere and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for that conviction. I'm ready for that compassion. I'm ready to sacrifice my life for your honor and for your glory. If that's you here this morning, I want you to slip out of your seat and I want to pray with you as we begin to sing this song here this morning.